This podcast is brought to you by Shout Engine. In less than five minutes, you can start your own podcast for free with ShoutEngine.com. trade off like Jeff does a show you do a show sometimes or yeah well, however the fuck it works out <laughs> uh, and on that note we're actually just gonna roll in off that okay yeah universe podcast live from uh, Casa de Zach and Nino today indeed yeah and, this uh, is uh, a little different so if you guys hear a little echo in the background it is a little echoing in this room but I'll see what I can do in terms of engineering to cut it out a little bit yeah we need we need more tapestries on the wall you do you need more fine ta- tapestries or just you know Bodies in the room we're doing to. too. That's, that's true. It might be easier to have tapestries um, and less awkward. Yeah, than just being surrounded by people while we do a one-on-one podcast at eight thirty at night on a Tuesday. It's pretty funny to hire day laborers and be like, "I see you stand there. <laughs> you can eat pizza. Like you can, you know, just be quiet." A hired audience. Yeah, that's wow. That's like way too opulent. Is like high, uh, human sound wall. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not that far removed from or, like, a studio audience comprised of homeless people. They pay five bucks a piece. True, is it, and that's job creation. It is, and then we're job creators, and then we get all those sweet, sweet tax benefits. I hope so. We just need to make five billion a year. I do. Sweet. Yeah. Things are going well with the one takes then. Yeah. This is this house is just a podcast studio, and not a good one. No, no, it's here. awful for a podcast studio, but it's nice for a house. Right, but I just use it for a podcast studio. So where's the actual house? Is it next door? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have one of those Elon Musk tunnels to, between your studio and your house? Oh, I would. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be very cool. Yeah. Like in uh, Houston, the tunnels between the buildings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I so forgot hot. about that. Yeah. Uh, Houston, the one redeeming fact about that city is the tunnels between buildings to avoid the heat because you're not supposed to live places that hot. Don't go outside. Well, Minnesota, on the other hand, has tunnels between buildings for the cold. And I conject that you're not supposed to live places that cold. I agree. Humans are not supposed to survive like that. Can you imagine how crowded the city would be if, like, if I mean, it, it may get that way just as we as the population grows, but um, it, traffic would be terrible. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that kind of goes back to, like, there's been all this conundrum lately over ways routing traffic through a neighborhood in Eagle Rock that's got one of the steepest inclines on the streets in the United States. And people are all pissy about it. And, like, it's funny because you get all these, you know, all these comment jockeys on Jalopnik that are like, well, this is, Los Angeles just needs to fix it. And I'm like, it's a hundred-year-old street that they just paved for the convenience of the neighbors in the area. And, you know, they're like, well, you know, Waze shouldn't have to fix it. I'm like, I write mapping software. That's literally what one of my companies does effectively. The, you know, Guardian Circle with the emergency stuff. And it's like, that's a basic software rule that they already have the capability to implement, by the way. And, like, all these idiots on Jalopnik are like, well, you know, it's just, that's how the roads in New England are. And I'm like, yeah, that's how the roads in New England are. But minus, you know, five and a half million people a day in that part of town. I just I saw I've stopped using Waze long ago because I didn't like that it would give me the absolute shortest route, but it was often required oh, multiple left it. turns. It would it would send you down like side streets like that, 
Um, I haven't used it in a long time. I, I hate like Waze. It. it just puts you through the jankiest routes. Google has a bad tendency of doing that too. Yeah, I mean, as I've said before, like I usually zoom out and see what route they're giving me and yeah. kind of adjust accordingly. You know, if you if you have local knowledge of where you are, you can go. I shouldn't take that street. I should take this street or. If you're in, in a new place, then you just do what it says. My kind of rule for the last couple of years has been I trust Apple Maps for the most part because they usually pick maybe not the absolute most, you know, uh, fastest route, but the one that's not janky. Mm-hmm. And they give you the options. They're like, okay, here are your different three or four different options to do this. And then, and I understand that like in some rural places in some smaller cities that Apple Maps isn't, isn't as great. Like if you're in a big city, Apple Maps is fucking fantastic i find that it works way better for me than google maps does um but like if i'm in the middle of nowhere i'll go back to google you know i think that's the key is using just use a bunch you know like pick different ones in your quiver yeah you don't hit you know you don't put a a a screw and a nail into a board using the same implement and if you do you shouldn't be listening to this podcast you should be you know maybe putting a nail into your forehead (laughs) Well, sorry, I, I, speaking of mapping problems, when I sent out um, the waypoint for the one takes I did today, a couple, one guy wrote back, he's like, I don't use Google Maps, so this waypoint didn't pop up you know, on the hot link. And for some reason, when he searched for that particular point, it also didn't pop up, which it was weird to see how different mapping software, like you know, the, the damn overlook we were at on Google is a real thing. Yeah. But I guess on Apple Maps, it is maybe not be marked as a thing. So. No, I mean it's subjective. It's like some people that's some people that's a thing, and some people don't give a shit about it. And Apple Maps totally. is more corporate driven. Like as is usually the case, Apple goes, "Here's the experience we want you to have. We don't care so much about your input because, as it turns out, and I deal with this on a daily basis, the public has no idea what they want for the most part." Yeah, and this overlook is tiny and not really worth stopping yeah, at. So I can see why Apple's like, we we don't need to map this. And frankly, I mean, the thing is, Google Maps is so much older that they've got more data to work on. So it could even just be the fact that like that waypoint doesn't have enough weighting in Apple's system yet to actually show up as anything significant. Absolutely possible. You know, mostly likely. It's yeah, but so uh, wow, it's halfway decent segue into halfway decent segue today. I'm, tr- I'm trying. I'm, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've both done it. I'm, I'm surprised. We're not usually, and given that we're both exhausted, it shouldn't be as smooth as it is. Uh, not tooting our Speaking own. Speaking of part. exhaustion, Chris. Yes. How's that exhaustion? Casper Masters. <laughs> we're not sponsored by them unless no. they want us to be. Uh, or Lisa or whomever. We don't care. Uh, money, yes. Money, please. Um, now I don't know where we are. Uh, we were talking about um, you mapping out everything for the one takes today. Yeah. So I started doing. Um, taking over is the wrong word. Basically, the, the people were, you know, Matt retired from fan car one takes. Yeah. And I am taking You're the, the primary torch. point man at this point. Right. So I, well, I'm going to take the torch on fan car one takes and like some OEM stuff. He'll be still driving the. And the exciting things like the new Honda Accord. Right. I'll be driving like the Honda Accord or the, the Civic SI was really fun, um, you know, but he is currently at the ZR1 launch and deservedly so. <laughs> yeah. Which so, I saw that car the other day. It is aggressive. Very aggressive, but it, you know, it should be. Um, it's stupid fast. Right. It's a, it's a race car. It was, it's like the highest caliber car they've oh, ever made. Yeah. I mean, it's literally faster than the race cars that were at Long Beach this last weekend. Oh, totally. The power output is like 300 horsepower above what is a Allowed. Yeah, yeah, um, it's it's absurd because I think it was um, was it Atlanta where it was like five seconds a lap quicker than its nearest competitor, 
It was something absurd like that. Jeez. Like, it, it dusted an ACR. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive, too. Yeah. That's... Well, it's got the wing for it now because, I mean, the ACR had was the king of the wing. Um, wow, it was, although the front splitter is nowhere near as aggressive on the, on the ZR1. No, the, the front splitter on the ACR is fully adjustable, and it has, like, the removable ports in the wheel wells to um, help brake, uh, brake cooling and airflow yeah. and get rid of uh, a little, like, the high-pressure zone. Yeah. Like, the, the ACR is what I would call still a more hardcore car. Like, it comes with harnesses. It's But the, but the yeah. thing about Corvettes is they've always been, like, an approachable supercar, really. Yeah, I mean, if you want to take it in that direction, go and buy yourself a harness bar and maybe put a different tire compound, and that's all you got to do to get there. Totally. Um, the ACR was just made like, I'm a race car for the oh, street. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the Corvette it, has always been It's the GT3 like, RS of the Viper world. Yeah, yeah. Although I'd say the GT3 RS is a little more refined than the ACR is. It is, but that's also just like the DNA they're given. I mean, it, yeah. the, the Viper has never been refined, and it went out unrefined. And the Viper, you know. the Viper was a was a six with a really nice dress and a new sh- pair of shoes on, with all the confidence in the world. But yeah, we put a dress on like an actual fighting bull. You yeah, know, not to take anything away from Lamborghini. Yeah, um, the Viper has always been just pretty raucous hardcore and then they just made it faster but with more down pressure like stronger chains to keep it on the ground mm-hmm. and the corvette you can gt it you can put stuff in it like they're easy it's, to drive yeah i mean the the vet and the 911 are just more approachable on a daily basis mm-hmm. and frankly they're just a lot nicer in, on the inside which is crazy to say about the corvette at this point that's but true the, the corvette's a legitimately not bad place to sit at this point no no the cockpit's nice I mean, i'd say it's you know. probably i'd put it on par with like the f-type Yes, I it's would not agree. quite nine eleven. No, but it's just a it's a hair or two below. It's not that much worse. I'd say it's closer mm. to like a nine nine seven level than a nine nine one. I would say nine nine between nine nine six and nine nine seven. Okay, I think there's. I think it's it's possible that it, that's also just the cockpit shape has been the same for so long. And so I look at it and I see the C five and the C six. Um, I don't know. I don't think. I think the material selection of GM is getting better, but yeah. it's still not there well, yet. Well, I mean, look at that. We're talking about a car with a $50,000 starting price versus a car with a $100,000 starting totally. price. Totally. And so. I think I, and that, I think it's, it's a bargain and a half perform for an all-around car. Yeah. It's incredible. It's um it's interesting, I think getting looking at the C8, you know, it's I think they're going to go you're going to have that option. I think it's probably going to start around 70, 75. Mm-hmm. That'd be my guess. But that car is probably going to be contending with stuff that starts oh. at 110, 120. I mean, now that they have, you know, like what Corvette has done with a front engine layout with like winning Le Mans, winning Sebring, winning when Daytona. I was, they just won when I was in Long Beach this last weekend. Exactly. The, you know, they, and here's the thing is, and part of it is strategy and part of it's because Pratt and Miller can build an excellent car. But the thing is, is like, you know, I was there with a uh, friend of the podcast and, you know, name people know here, Rick Radcliffe, you know, uh, we went with my dad and we went down there and watched that. And it was just, you know, the, the main contenders was, you know, we had the, the two Ford GTs. There were two, uh, I'm not sure if they were M4s or M6s because they're so modified at that point. I'm not entirely sure what they are. I can't remember what they're I running. I think they're an M6, but I I'm not 100% correct. on that. Yes, because when the new, quote, BMW art car came out at the beginning of last year, it was an M6, mm-hmm. and I, I thought, I'm sorry, I thought it was ugly because it was an all-white M6 with two large circles on either side that had different colors, and then it just said 
fast on the side in black letters. I that's, believe that's dumb. Correct. It just I, I didn't. I the only I didn't BMW get it. art car I ever liked was like the very first one, the one that's you know got a million different colors on it. Well, the streaks of colors. Yeah, it, that's the that's the most famous one. But when um, when we were doing research for Drive last season because we made our our shitty. Um, chump car into like an art car that they painted mm-hmm. we were looking at the different iterations of it and i've never really you know the one that's the most famous gets the most attention but there's many more after yeah that, and, and there were a bunch cool. of them at the peterson at one point um and uh you know they're very cool a lot of them are cool but that, i think the first one is the, the streaking one. colors it's like it's going through time yeah it's really right it's um but uh that and it was you know it's an e30 m3 too so it's just a cool looking car that's that's true you know? nice shoebox it's it's a nice place to start from absolutely um, Absolutely, but like you know, Long Beach, it was just like you know, I was looking at this Rad Radcliffe, and I'm like, there are only two cars in this lineup that are front engine, rear drive, and it's the Corvette and, and the M6, mm-hmm. and you know, the Porsches are effectively mid engine at this point, Basically. the race cars, yeah, you know, and then the GTs obviously are, and um, you know, the Lambo, Porsche R8, NSX, they're all in there, and they're all mid engine, yeah, and it's just the Corvettes are still winning. The M Force did not do well, and the Porsches actually started out really strong and fell to the back of the pack to the point where one of them actually got lapped by the Corvettes. Ooh, yeah, the the GTs mm. and the Corvettes lapped one of the nine elevens. It was not a good showing for them. They must. Um, I mean, because Long Beach is not as high speed a track as something like Daytona, and I know that the the nine elevens are suffering in high speeds because of their height because they are just tall like the oh yeah they're, they're markedly lower. taller there's a totally. lot more frontal area on the 911 and on the on the on the bmws than there is on the on the corvettes and the and the forts and yeah i mean the g the gt is ridiculous you know what though it's, is looking at it i mean like and i was right at turn one right there and um there's not that much of a height difference between the the c7s and the gt when you put them right next to each other that I see, I can't speak to that because when I was at Daytona filming the Roar before, I did. I know I never saw a Corvette go by. I was just on like a different side of the paddock, so I saw the Huracans go by. I saw the R8 go by. I saw a Ferrari four four eighty eight, um, and then Porsche, of course, because we were working for them. And then the GT and the GT would roll by, and it was like laying. I mean, it looked like it had been squished. Yeah, no, it does. I, but I think that's also some of that's just the visual, like. It's funny. Like I remember you remarking. This is a conversation we had several years ago. But we were you. You had said like, yeah, but the Corvette's so much bigger than the 911. And we looked at the stats, and they're within like fractions of an inch of each other. No, in you're every, totally right. And everything. It just looks bigger. And I think it's just the way that that Ford is designed. Is it looks a lot smaller. Partly, but I would definitely Google it because I I know I read that it's it was shorter. several inches there, it's lower. It absolutely is. And several inches when you're talking about. Um, aerodynamic flow and top speed and on high speed is like that's serious i think part of it is the rake of the windshield in the ford gt mm-hmm. really sells that too kind of like on a gallardo like where that rake of that windshield it's just so stretched out mm-hmm. that it makes it look a lot flatter than it really is. true we should we'll, we'll look it up before like another episode because i think the heights are, are different but uh but anyway but the, the two best sounding cars though i mean the porsches are they sound fantastic but they're so bloody loud and so they shriek so hard the only car the entire weekend where i was just like plugging my ears when i went by Mm -hmm. it's a very high like tight sound oh yeah it sounds great but like after you know 30 laps you're like okay i think i've had enough of that it's not melodious it's um it's it's like a banshee it's just yeah it's like 
Wah! all the time yep. because it's got to work a lot harder too because it's that little motor you know well i can't which car was it that was running a um a rotary engine i don't know if this was i can't remember if this was this year at daytona or it was a story from a driver but it was they, they had raced against a rotary engine and every time it went by they had Oh, it was a story because basically it was back in the day, the rotary engine, they had mistakenly had the exit, or the exhaust exiting out the right side. Yeah. And that aimed at the wall. So it was every time they were getting on the Daytona straight, it was like, well, I am bleeding out my ears. It's yeah. just terrible. And you already have problems with one of your ears from that accident. I do. When I'm around really loud cars, my left ear like tickles because I think the, um, the titanium bits have fallen apart and they, so they're vibrating in my ear canal. Oh. So, so you got a little slop in your ear suspension? Yeah, when I jog, I hear clicking. So it's like a metronome, which I don't jog. But if I'm running from something. Ah. So I have to get that fixed eventually. But whatever. doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, there's probably new tech by the time so, you want to get that done. Corvette is a great bang for buck, as we know. Um, God, it sounds good, too. The race cars sound fucking oh, spectacular. Yeah. Very good. Those those in the uh, the Astons are the two best-sounding race cars out there. Yeah, Aston. I love that they are still racing. They're, they're, such like a, a, they're such a boutique company next to the rest of them. The Gallardos and the R8 sound really good, though, too. Of course they do. V10s, I love the sound of a V10. Yeah, those do scream. Yeah. And, and I, it, it's, I like the fact that you finally warmed up to them a little bit. I have. In, ra- in racing situations, and, uh, you know, and I do recognize the streetcars, too. They sound angry and, and cool. It's a very – it's funny because, like, if you you can actually talk to, like – and it's funny because we got a recording studio out back where they're doing music right now. Nino and, and your other roommate are working on stuff. Mm-hmm. And – you know, there's actually I've I've heard audio technicians and and like music teachers explain why specifically why the V10 note is appealing to the human ear. There is there is musical theory behind why. Oh that's whoa! Appealing. I'm gonna Google that and yeah. watch it. Uh, it's it's kind of an interesting concept, but uh, yeah, it's uh, the Ford GT sounds so bad. Yes, it does. Oh my god, the traction control and the anti lag system in that. My and you know, and I know I said this to you, but my take on it now is it sounds like if you took like a V6 Accord and put a shitty cap back on it and then plumbed it into well, for comic effect, I was saying an overflowing toilet. It, it just it literally it, that's actually what it sounds like. It sounds like an Accord exhaust being dumped into water. It's awful. Yeah, traction control is weird. Like remember when the F1 cars had it a couple years ago, and mm-hmm. they would go around the corner and go brrrr. Yeah. You know, it was just, it was like a weird flatulent pause. Yeah. And then it would, and then it would scream away. Unfortunately, I was only able to catch the IMSA race and then part of the, um, part of the Indy, uh, uh, qualifying. Mm. Uh, but the Indy cars are cool going around Long Beach. Yeah. Anything <laughs> racing around there is really cool because it's, you know, it's a street. It's like a real environment. Well, and you hear everything, the entire track, like perfectly because it's not a very big track. It's only no. like, what is it? Like three miles or something like that yeah i don't know i've driven i mean i've driven on the road and it's it's weird when the fencing's up it's kind of cool yeah i kind of want to uh, yeah i i really wish i could have gotten to do that if you go down there like i think it's like a few days before you know because the road is still open yeah but they've started to put the fencing up and it's like you're where they're gonna be i mean you, you get can to see play the race tire- car driver for the day totally you can see the tire tracks where the drift guys are going and all that stuff it, it's awesome yeah uh it's funny because when you because like turn one and then into the fountain, especially if you play that in games, looks so much smaller than it is. It's way wider than it looks in the video games. Um, it's nowhere near as tight as, as it seems. Oh, I, I know exactly what I mean. Yeah, it does seem really tight. But when I watch the videos, I mean, 
there's a there's kind of like an abruptness to the corners of that track. There's a lot of you know almost ninety degree angles or ninety degree. Oh angles. yeah, yeah. So that kind of stuff makes it seem tight because it doesn't for, have a flow. For what it lacks in speed, it makes up in technical aspects, and the fact that there's no banking also makes it tricky. That's true. You That's know. a great point. It's uh, yeah. It, it, watching the um, but during the IMSA race, of course, they've got the uh, the prototype cars out there running too. And um, it's it's just interesting watching the driving strategy of those guys because it's so drastically different than the than the you know the factory cars. Um, it's uh, just watching how careful they have to be with tire temp on those cars because it's just like they'll just go careening into the fans. Yeah. If 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 they go out on cold tires and take uh, turn one too fast. Totally. Did you watch the Porsche nine one nine legacy car? Whatever they're calling it. No, no, I did not. Good, sweet lord. So do you know what do you know what it is like? No, no, did? I don't know anything. So about they it. took the nine one nine Lamar car because they're retiring from Lamar. Right. Gave it to the engineers, basically, and we're like, let's make this as fast as it can go. Is that the V ten car? Mm, I think it's a V ten hybrid. Okay. I should really know what engines in it, but I don't. Um, and they so they put a extra long rear diffuser on it a larger wing like a huge wing and like the mohawk down the center of it grew yep for the stability and they took it to spa it lapped spa faster than an f1 car like no joke and the video yeah. of this thing changing direction even in hairpins looks sped up i mean all of us on the on the other podcast were just going nuts about it sam smith was posting about it he was like he's a great fast driver experiencing a lot of really fast stuff i mean it is nuts, dude. You you should watch the video because uh, yeah, it's I'll really see. cool to see what is possible with those cars when you're just like, let's just go full sprint race, you know, get rid of like let the Porsche engineers speed. go crazy. This yeah. is their little reward at the end of the year. Going okay, now you guys get to do what you want to do. You know, it's and it is a great well, it's a good marketing tool, but it's a good send off for like, you know, we're hey, we're done with Le Mans, we're moving on, we're going to open our doors at Formula E soon, but here's what this car can do. You yeah, know, here's our here's our swan song, and it went around the internet like wildfire. It's cool. It's uh, yeah, it's you know, it's unfortunate that there's just it's so hard to do those super unlimited classes because it's there's it's hard to do it in racing just because it's it puts so many people at a severe disadvantage. There are only so many people that can afford to go full crazy like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, as good as Porsche is, imagine if Ford or GM just went here's all the budget you want or Toyota because well, Toyota, I mean, they're in there and you're right. Like they came in and, and they've slowly moved up. They would have won that year if they didn't have the electrical system break. Was it last year? I think it was, I didn't watch them all last year. I think that was last year. And the system just cut out and the car had to like pull over. It was like 30 seconds away from winning, which is yeah. a shame. It's uh, just like, yeah, uh, I, I was talking to one of my neighbors who, who works at a race shop in um, Long Beach and they build, they build all kinds of cars and, They've just kind of got a rule now that, like, when they're in a series and and either Ford or GM comes in, they just go, okay, we're done, because they can't compete. Hmm. Their budget is just so much bigger, and they've got direct access to all the factory engineers. Wow. You, I mean, if you're an independent team paying a race shop to build a car for you. Oh, you know, totally. No, you're done. Just, you know, you might have two or 300K to put into a car, which sounds like all the money in the world, but for a race car, that's very reasonable. Um, I mean, that... I don't even know if that would get you to Le Mans. Like, no, it, no, it, it might, wouldn't get you to Le Mans. It would get you a used car, maybe. It, it would get you. It would get you a, uh, you know, like a, a pit bike in Le Mans. Yeah, that might. You know, that would probably be enough to get a seat in a car at Le Mans if you have the right license. Maybe, yeah. maybe two seats, but 
Speaking yeah. speaking of gentlemen drivers, did you know that uh, Mr. Michael Avenatti, Stormy Daniels' lawyer, is a gentleman driver? <laughs> That's great. Yeah, with uh, uh, one great. of the uh, Saudi princes. Wow. I don't know which team they drive for, but I know that somebody in the racing world fucking hates them. Because gentleman driver. Mm-hmm. I mean, right, gentleman driver. I don't know how good or how bad he is, but true. gentleman drivers are never as good as actual pro drivers. That's true, but I think there are some that um, I've I've just learned from from talking to Chris. Like, there are some that are very very close to pros. And well, so, and then you, know, you get Dempsey that went pro. Um, that's true. Well, Dax is supposed to be pretty good. Well, I mean that's the that's the but that's the blurred line is like, you're if you're a gentleman driver who is racing in a pro sponsored car, you could be paying for that seat, or you could be part of a team where you're helping with like. The marketing and the business side, like Dempsey was, yeah. But, the, or the, but there Newman. were hot shoes there too, you yeah. know. But at a certain point, those guys, you know, like Newman, you know, and Dempsey now, I think they're doing more racing than they are acting. So, oh, absolutely! Oh, no, absolutely! And you know, and they they do like C.J. Wilson's on on the come up and um, runs a couple of race teams, and he's gonna. I think he's gonna start dipping his toe into like IMSA and stuff. He's because he came up in um, the Continental. Uh, contact series mm-hmm. like racing Miatas and did and did well with his team there and you know he owns like some Mazda dealerships and then I think he's moving into like GTD or something and okay right now he's like a team runner but he's it's an attainable level to get into when you're serious but like you don't want to dump 40 million into it yeah I mean well I think that's a smart thing to do if you want to be a driver like even if you have a hundred million dollars like sure you could go out and jump right into a Lamar car and field the team yourself or whatever you want to do you might not do that well because there is so much you need to know and learn and have oh, internalized yeah. about like speed differentials and how to act in the lane and like endurance racing and even like, just so the many politics things. of a big series like that. Absolutely, you know, crawl before you walk. I think it is true in anything. Yeah, I mean, you have your odd freak that's just you know, that's just a prodigy like that kid that uh, Sony brought up with the um, oh yeah Gran Turismo thing where he went from playing to then like podiums. <laughs> So well, I think that's the difference between if you are like uh, raised, you know, basically to be like a pro driver. You don't think about the business side. You don't have to think about the politics. You know, you get media training as you climb the ladder. But that's why you're 20. Your reflexes will never be faster. Yeah. You don't believe in danger yet, and that's well, yeah, why I you're going to be super why fast. One drivers start when they're like fucking 18. Absolutely. You know, because they've been in a car literally since they've been three or four years old. Mm-hmm. It's it's like Tiger Woods syndrome, like. These kids know it's, you know, they may love it now, but there's no saying that this is actually what they wanted to do. This was clearly a decision made by their parents at some point for every driver at that level. I would. They may enjoy it, but that was a decision made at some point, I think. Well, I think there's a decision where they, you, the parents probably have to to go, are you going to pursue this seriously? Because this was going to cost us a lot of money, like Mm -hmm. becoming a professional racer. So if you are, you need to put. 10 tenths into it you need to go 100 percent. you know you can't be yeah. like yeah i do oh i'm skipping my training like there was a good um it's a good series on uh amazon prime right now all about the mclaren honda f1 season uh yeah i was just told about that the it's other day very interesting um about how the engines worked out uh they, they, you mean the fact that the honda engines didn't like the fact that the honda engine didn't start the first time they debuted it at the mclaren facility didn't they didn't they start that up in front of a bunch of investors and uh and executives and it just failed in front of them all well i mean it was like 
it was like the McLaren team in Woking at the factory. So yeah. it wasn't really investors, but yeah, executives and everybody. And it didn't start. And, uh, you know, it kind of bodes for how the season went. But they focus a lot on the driver, the F1 driver for um, McLaren and the training they have to go through. And, like, before the season starts, not only are you training and cycling and all that stuff, like, you then have to get tested to see if you are fit enough to be in the car. And the test is not like, Oh, it's your, you know, your, I don't know, police physical. I'm going to get slammed by some cop out there of how difficult that uh, is. But yeah. uh, it's like your output on a bicycle while breathing through this tube needs to be at this. Oh, yeah. They check VO2 max. They check, you yeah. know, yeah, I'm kind of surprised. And they may actually throw them in a centrifuge to see how many G's they can take. They do have like the ne- they have the neck strengthening thing. I think, you know, they're in the car a lot. So, like, just to, yeah. just to, to put a button on this, like, the decision, like a kid, probably said, "I want to be a race car driver," and then you hit a point where your parents are like, "You, with the amount of money this costs and the time it's going to take, you need to take this seriously, or you need to do something else." Yeah, because there's a period probably from you know, you start out when you're little with karting, and you probably do that until you're seven or eight, and then from eight until probably fourteen or fifteen, you're kind of in, in an expensive place, but you're not old enough to be on a team yet to be picked up yet. So that's a that's a handful of super expensive years. Well, what's getting weird? I just saw a story where um, there's a NASCAR story about kids that are too young to have a driver's license but are now getting seats in cars to race. Mm-hmm. Um, who's the guy in NASCAR that is kind of a shit talker and used to get in a lot of fights? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to guess he's a Southern gentleman. No, this. I mean, I kind of dig this dude, but he he made a good comment. He's like, I think it's very weird that super like young people who literally can't get a driver's license yet are getting put by sponsors in race cars he's like one it's taking i think one of his points was it's taking opportunity away from people that have been in the game a long time and have been waiting for those seats yeah. so it's, it's also very risky super risky dude i mean it's like that one kid that lost both of his legs and now he's driving with hand controls you know he lost both of his legs at like 16 or 17 years old in a formula 3 car i believe wow that's, yeah, yeah, it's terrible. You know. Now, I mean, the thing the, I think the reason that young people are better drivers is like your prefrontal cortex is not developed until you're like 19 or 20, and that's what gives us a sense of like danger and risk. Yep. And and, and muscle memory is super easy to develop at that age. Yeah. Too. So it's like all it's all those things converge, and that's why you're like perfect at that age, and you're gonna you know that's why you'll probably be a faster qualifying driver than someone who's 30, but they might be a better endurance racer. You see, the next move might really be is to take. You know, take uh, you know premature-born children, and then fit them into an idealized race car chassis so they grow into it, <laughs> snail style, like a bonsai tree. Yeah. Oh my god. Like a hermit crab or a snail. There you go. Fit your home. Yeah. You know, and then you can have whatever arrow shape you want. Think about it. You can have a on an almost perfectly flat frontal area on the car. And just a head sticking up out of a skateboard, basically. They might, yeah, they might get there. Yeah. You uh, you find a way to control development so the prefrontal cortex never develops, and you have, like, your perfect extreme athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think that was basically Dave Mira. Um, yeah, that poor guy, though. Yeah. He had all the CT. Yeah. Well, that man. Uh, talk, I mean, people think football's dangerous. Jesus Christ, BMX is the worst. I think they're just... I mean, they're all bad. They, when you know they've done documentaries on Dave Merriam when he would, you know, slam from vert. It's like mm-hmm. you watch him hit, and and I think we're so used to watching TV and someone gets up, 
and they go again and you're like oh he's okay and now we're like no no you're not okay like you have a concussion yeah and another concussion i don't know i i mean i i crashed a handful of times like that when i was probably 13 and i'm like yeah i don't I, i'm not doing the half pipe anymore because you come into the ramp too you come out too far out from the wall and you just slam to the ground it is the worst yeah and it's not like a skateboard where you can kind of bail like it's no, a it's lot true. harder to bail on a bike totally you know, and then you have a forty-pound steel hardtail coming down on you too. Like that'd be so brutal. Yeah, well, I shouldn't say hardtail. There was no full suspension in BMX, but like, you know, I know what you mean. You know, it, it's BMX bikes are not light either. No, you know? especially for freestyle, they're pretty heavy. They're, yeah, they're I mean, sturdy. if you're if you're riding vert, especially like those bikes are super beefed up. They have to be, otherwise you destroy them. Yeah, um, crack in half. But like Mira, like he did not have that that concept of risk and like. Bucky's a little bit like that too, and you've met Bucky a few times, and like he's like Bucky's probably ten years older than us, and he's still doing crazy shit like that. Well, I mean, a lot of extreme sports athletes are going into racing or some form of automotive because yeah. they're like, it's got a cage around you, you're much safer, you're not going to have head impact. That, really, and their body like, can't keep up. Totally, like, they've got you. You accumulate so many injuries that Absolutely. like. You have to. I mean, Pastrano went into racing because he just destroyed himself on his motorcycle. Yeah, but you still want to have fun. You still want to go fast. You still want adrenaline. Like, I think it's it's a good solution for a lot of those people. It'd be like us trying to go, you know, it'd be like us trying to go out and, and run down Mammoth Mountain on downhill bikes and try and keep up with 17-year-olds. Nope. It ain't happening at this point. Definitely not going to happen. No. It's... I'm, I'm happy to, to continue snowboarding until I can't do that anymore. But uh uh, and that's a good yeah. long time. People can snowboard and ski for a long time. Yeah. It's like, still go off the big jumps, but I'm not going to try anything too crazy. No. Uh, I was talking to Corey about that the other day. I'm like, let's go do Mammoth this mountain, this, this summer on bikes. Uh, and I'm like, I am not hitting the doubles, though. Nope. I am not doing that. Nope. You're going to break yourself. Oh, yeah. I've already broken myself too many times. You've seen it. Yeah, don't do that. You've seen me hobbling around with a cane for four months. Mm-hmm. It's really not worth it. No, it's not. And that was five years ago when I was, you know, still 30. Um, but so, I have okay. no segue here. I was going to try to find So more. let's go back to the... Uh, <laughs> go back to cars. Let's go back to the, the one-take stuff. You were telling me earlier, and I cut you off when we were on the phone, specifically so we could talk about it. You finally drove a Terminator. I did. Dude, I mean, I've wanted to drive one of those since... Well, when they came out, of course, I read about them, and that was great. But what seared them in my memory, I remember this video, it was... Very early YouTube. Um, I think it was like Black Snake or something. Everyone's laughing now. Mm -hmm. But it was just a Terminator with mods, and it just does like second gear clutch drop down the street, and it's loud, and it just I've never seen anything roast tires like that in my life. You know, it was probably 240p, yeah. and it was just a, like a two-minute video about this one Terminator that was modded, and it was just burned in my head. as like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Well, do you remember the pre-YouTube days where we used to get all these fan-made videos that would just get uploaded to random places and you'd download them? Absolutely. Like, I used to watch it. Like, it was like, at that point, you know, you pick your, you pick your team and you stick with it when you're, when you're 17 or 18. And you're like, I only care about this car because this is the best car. Absolutely. Uh, and I did that with that. the F-Body stuff. You know, and then there was the Mustang, which was the, the other team. Absolutely. Chevy and, versus Ford forever. And it was just like these videos that would be like six minute long, like stupid burnouts and donuts and people drifting like country road corners and stuff like that. And it was like all to a montage of like Fear Factory or something like that. <laughs> I mean, those are still out there, too. There's a lot of the new version just has EDM music. Yeah. I, you know, I just I don't pay attention to that stuff anymore because once again, I'm 35. Yeah. But uh 
yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. Is like these things kind of get built up. So what? And I for the. For the record, even back then, I liked that body style on Mustang because I think it's one of the most aggressive body styles I've ever. I had. still like it. I, th- I, think I it's, like it's, the back it's end simple, of that car. It's clean but aggressive. Um, did so, did this one still have IRS or was this? Oh no, still IRS modded. It was four, it was four seventy wheel, four eighty torque at the wheels. Um, That's all. Come on, Zach. I mean, but it was twelve. Oh, I know. But it's like twelve hundred dollar bolt ons. I mean, this was, yeah. you know, that's what's, that was another thing why these things became such legend is this was before every car had a turbocharger on it. Everything could be tuned up. This was, hey, there's this car that was only made for two years, and you put a small pulley on it and some long tube headers, and you now have a five, six hundred well, car. Well, it was that car. It was the Lightning. Lightning was a couple which years Which was before the 5.4 it, Triton with the blower on it. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, Harley, the Harley F-150 was basically the same thing without the sport suspension. Yeah. And it, I saw one this the other day. I'm like, why? But he I, bought it used. I have. I kind of like the Lightning still. It's so no stupid. Lightning's, Lightning's cool. It's oh, still um, st- stupid and yet still kind of practical. Who's that race? We know a race car driver that drives one for a daily because he can put his surfboard in it. I don't remember what his name. We, we interviewed. And him I still like that ago. step side body on that truck. I think that was the best looking one they've made in a long, long time. Just, I've never been a step side fan except for like try your Chevys, but. Okay, okay, podcast over. But it's, no, <laughs> we can like different things. That's how the Ford and Chevy uh, argument gets resolved. Um, so the Terminator was interesting because so there's a Terminator today, and then yep. there was a 2018 Mustang GT with Performance Pack One. So you had like a 1998 and then a 2018. So you had like 20 years of difference. Well, it was you know it was an 04 and uh, and an 18, but was oh, uh, yeah, I'm thinking the 98 was the previous. Cobra. That was the wrong Cobra. The, yeah. But what was what was interesting is that. Uh, the Cobra originally was thirty-three thousand dollars, which in today's money is like forty-four. A GT starts at like wow, thirty-one, but realistically, that. it's like a forty-thousand-dollar car. Yeah. So, pricing is very similar. The mm-hmm. weight was only different by about a hundred pounds. Uh, the Terminator was lighter by two fifty, but stock weight is only different by about a hundred pounds. Yeah, this whole notion that like cars are so heavy now, like Mustangs and Camaros are not really any heavier than they were. That's true. That's totally true. Yeah. I mean, there are there are a lot of cars that are getting it. Like the Mini Cooper I drove today was thirty three hundred pounds. The Mini Cooper is so like that's getting Mini heavier. Is, yeah, but laughable. Terminator did not feel like four hundred seventy wheel horsepower. We were at altitude. The guy that owned it said uh, he had put a bunch of octane boosters in it because he'd never had it up to this high of altitude before. Mm-hmm. And it was also interesting to talk about the different tech because he's like, you know, this car was made before it had like. They didn't have good knock sensors. Like, I have an aftermarket tune on there mm-hmm. that pays attention to that stuff. But, like, they didn't have as much Those hardware as they do Ford now. modular motors were not great. They were dogs back then. So, I mean, the regular GT was 260 horsepower at that point. Mm-hmm. That was a huge bump. The 400 that came from, from the factory was like, holy shit. Yeah. Because, I mean, the Corvette was 350. Uh, the F-bodies, they claimed they were 300, but they were the same LS6 at the end of the F-body run, too, so they were 350. So 400 was a big number. Real big number. I mean, that's why, the, you know, it had, it had forged internals, um, iron block, like, the thing was was pretty overbuilt, and I think, like, then Ford went to the Ford GT, also overbuilt. Yeah. It was great. Like, that was another thing that's but so But it had the computing power of Apollo 11. It did. Um, but I think a lot of the, the cars that we look back at as legends, like Supras, Ford GTs, Cobras... Uh, it's because there's so much left on the table and they can handle it. And like that's what's really cool. Well, yeah, you had to overbuild the motor because you didn't, you couldn't fine-tune it with the ECU versus like 
the feet, my little Fiesta sitting outside that makes like two forty on the, you know, like it's making like two twenty wheel and probably two forty to two fifty crank, something like that, out of a one point six. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, the the Mustang was a four point six liter motor. Yeah, that's, that's another crazy. three. That's like another V six in there. Yeah, that's three of your engines. Yeah, basically. And you can get, you know, 600 horsepower out of a, a Mustang Cobra, no problem. Um, it was just interesting. You know, I, so I texted Matt afterwards, and I said I drove this Terminator, and it sounded amazing. Like, it was oh, yeah, they always thunderous. Sound, they you know, always it was so, just yeah. such a cool sound, and it was really fun. And the blower wine. Chassis impressed me hugely. Like, really? Cornering, this guy had um, Maxima Motorsports camber plates on it. Okay. He had... Uh, Did he do any H and R springs, but stock shocks? Did he do like subframe connectors and everything too? Hadn't done that yet. Okay. Um, only thing he had was tires. Really, really, I was very impressed with the speed I was carrying and how even it felt front to rear. Even though it's like fifty six front, forty four rear weight distribution, uh, it the steering feel is not good. But <laughs> no, in comparison, those racks to my, were not. No, it was fascinating. This guy knew a lot. I mean, he you know he knew had a he lot put, about his uh, car. Better seats in it. He did have better seats in it. He had, like, Corbos in it, which held really nicely. So if the steering had good feel, the car would have been a surprisingly fun uh, Canyon car. It was just loud as hell, and, you know, I was nervous about romping on it too hard in corners. But the turning was quick. Mm -hmm. Like, the the turning was faster than I was expecting because the steering had so little feel. And he he mentioned that, you know, Matt put the Cobra rack in his, um, his Mustang, He's like, it's actually not the best one. The best rack you can get is from the Cobra R. Or sorry, the, the yeah, Cobra R. Um, but you can't find that one. Like, that's like No, they didn't make very many it. of them. And, and the ones that did had their splitter ripped promptly off the front. Right. Exactly. That was, that was a As Rob Ferretti found. Car. No, yeah, that thing was flexing like crazy. So I came away very su- pleasantly surprised at how, um, how the turning was, how even there was, how much grip there was. And... A little disappointed in how the power felt, but Matt was like, "You know what? Mustang horsepower does not feel like Porsche horsepower." No, there's a lot of slop in that drivetrain. Yeah. That and that transmission on that car is not the not the pinnacle of efficiency at that point in time. I mean, nothing was. It was, no. you know, '04 developed in '02. Um, you should see the you yeah. should see the backlash allowed on like the pinion gear in the rear, like the variances that they allow on that. It's just like wow, the tolerances are very very wide on this car. Yikes! Yeah, you know we, we I think we people talk about how cars are are worse than they were, and and everyone wants to go back to like a vintage feel and stuff. But what we are taking for granted is that how good cooling systems are now, and how good I think material science has gotten. Like the ZL1. Yep. Is is a supercharged V8 and it has ten heat exchangers. Yep, and this car and, had one, and <laughs> it's got all the safety features now. Mm-hmm. Isn't really any heavier. True. Uh, it's got the super high strength lightweight steel on all these new cars. You know, moving to aluminum, which is good. Yeah, you're you're probably not going to die if you crash these. Whereas the older ones, eh, who knows? Yeah. Um, I mean, they're better than they were in the 60s, but still, 90 and 2000, or early 2000s cars were rough bike in today's standards. But, yeah. like, if you get in a Camaro or a Mustang now, it's kind of comparable to where, you know, a Porsche was in terms of drivetrain slop 15, 18 years ago. That's probably correct. You like, know. Because, the, like, the GT felt, you know, I've driven a couple of newer Mustang GTs, and they're, I think they are, a, like, the, we were talking about Corvettes before, they are a very good all-around car for the budget. Yeah. Like, 
the chassis is fun they can take a beating on the track they're just like it felt it felt heavier than the cobra did um even though you know the the rigidity of the chassis is better yeah but there's just i think it's just actually the size like the well and, size and the other thing is is driving those back to back you had very different torque curves on those cars too that's true um uh, because that mustang that the coyote motor likes to wind out versus that terminator motor is like rev like 62 62 and at 55 it's really done yeah yeah, it was it was an, it was a really interesting comparison. That, you know, they're both IRS, same weight, all that stuff. It's just uh, yeah. but talk about a difference in IRS between those two. Like, yeah. one is one is like the wooden wagon wheel equivalent, you know, and the other one is you know a BBS forged rim. It's, yeah, this dude was saying you can destroy the IRS in the, in the Cobra oh, yeah. if you do the wrong thing with it. I mean, what well, was the problem when I I had with the GTO? Is the the IRS in those was relatively relatively glass life for Geely. Yeah. Uh, I destroyed mine on my way to San Diego doing, you know, well in excess of a hundred miles an hour for a period of time where it just got too hot and it burned itself out. Basically wow. it was whining and I had to nurse it back to Los Angeles. Wow. Uh, that was an interesting weekend. Uh, yeah, I had friends out from Florida and like his mom and his sister just happened to be in town. So the GTO is what we were taking around San Diego. I don't think I've ever had uh, a 60-year-old woman in the car yelling at me to go 140 if I could. Jesus. It was a fun, it was a fun weekend. She's a fun lady. Old, old, yeah, my buddy Jeremy and like his mom and his sister just happened to be out here, and we're like, fuck it, let's screw around in the car. Nice. Yeah, that's and that's cool. how I destroyed the differential on my GTO. Pontiac got the last laugh, though, on that one, or at least Hooman Pontiac, and fuck those people and their stupid dealerships here in Southern California because they destroyed my motor. They drained the oil and didn't put any oil back in it. Whoa. While working on the rear differential, so they had no reason to touch the front end of the car at all. Wow, that's like someone said, are we doing an oil change? I drained it. And someone said no, and someone else bolted it back I up. never thought through it like that, but yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only, I mean, it's the only thing I can understand. Or they were just like, I hate this guy. I'm going to blow his motor up. They wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't do that, though. They didn't know me enough to hate me at that point. It takes time. You know, sometimes people get to know you quick, Chris. That, that's true. That's true. You have a way. Uh, I do. I do have a way with certain people. Um, this dude, so this guy's plan with his Cobra is he wants to make it a track car eventually and, like, cut more weight out of it, get a carbon fiber hood. It'll be a bit, but I think I think it'd be a lot of fun and it'd be a rare thing to see. I think a Terminator would be a good, it's a good drag car. That's well established. I don't think I'd want it as a track car, to be honest. Why? That supercharger just generates so much heat. You're true. fighting against itself. Totally true. I like uh, the idea of it. I, it's I really cool. enjoy I, the I fun. I agree with you. It'd be, you know, it'd be, it'd be a good drift car because mm -hmm. you put it around a few times, you let it cool off, and then you do it again. That's true. And then the torque curve on it's perfect for that. Yeah, it'd be real good for that. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, a track car, you can't. The Coyote motor is so perfect for that, and it literally true. bolts into those chassis. Coyote motor is very good. You know, I mean, this, this, this guy had the basis GT with performance pack. Like, it, it didn't have a nav screen doesn't need it but it still had air conditioning and and cruise control and that stuff and then performance pack is just a bigger radiator torsen diff with 373 gears and like a little wing on the back and uh brakes and like that's all you need like yeah. that, that car will run on the track as long as you you know change the fluids and stuff like it'll run for a long long time and on that note we're gonna take a break because uh, i've been driving around for a while i need to use the restroom indeed Recording again. Let's hit record. All right, and bathroom break over. 
That was so, like an that was like an hour, Chris. I know. Well, what'd you know, you, what'd you eat? Uh, People don't need to hear this. Yeah, it, <laughs> you know, it just avoid fast food. Avoid fast food. Sounded like gravel in a pond. I don't know what's going on. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I did I did pick up the uh, the the Wendy's uh, the Wendy's frosty with gravel. Just you know, just little uh, pea gravel. Market is fiber. It's fine. Yeah, it's I, I eat like a I eat like a uh, goose or a duck. I have to have a requisite amount of gravel to help grind down the roughage. Do they do that? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Some birds actually uh, eat gravel. Eat rocks. Yeah, that's hilarious for a bird that spends most of its life trying to be buoyant. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Someone's gonna throw like a uranium pebble. It's gonna eat and just like sink immediately. It's ballast. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But uh, so, so the Mustang was a lot better than you thought it was, was going to be. Which one? Oh, the Cobra? Yeah. It was better as the handling was much better than I expected it to be. The turning was, was quicker. Um, could feel what both ends were doing. Uh, steering feel was worse than I thought it would be. It's pretty much not there. Um, let's see what else did I drive. Uh, and I drove, I drove a 2017 John Cooper Works uh, Mini Cooper. Also, steering was worse than I expected. The last, the last Mini Cooper or JCW I drove was the, the JCW GP in like 2014. Yeah, that was the sandwich car. The sandwich car, exactly. Yeah. Um, for people listening, go to youtube.com slash drive and search Mini Cooper where I make sandwiches while Matt does 160 miles an hour in the same car. They're just completely outclassed in the hot hatch game these days. It's- Mini was like the only game in town in America for a long time. And the GP back then was good. It was legitimately good, and they basically shipped it with track tires. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, like, it's completely outclassed by everything that, you know, between the Ford stuff, you know, even Mazda's, like, little regular hatchbacks are really, really They're good, good but they're slow. Like They're I slow, like but you know Mazda what I mean? Chassis, it's just but... the, the chassis and the steering feel and everything on those is just... Totally. It's so far ahead of where it was. Because Mini's getting... gotten softer. Like, the, the yeah. guy who owned it phrased it well. He's like, it's more BMW than it used to be. And it's definitely, like, the steering is softer. It's quieter inside than the, the JCW I drove with Matt. It's still corners flatter and better than the Fiesta ST or the Focus RS does. Yeah. Like, it still it feels much, a little bit more hardcore in that sense. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard to argue for the price given that like you, you what know, you was the a, sticker on it he bought it used which is the only like, he bought it for 31 and it was used, used? and it has like fifteen thousand miles on it. those those things they started at 31 but yeah. they easily stickered to like 44 yeah you know that doesn't surprise me though because the minis have always been overpriced in my opinion oh, of course it's an up it's an upmarket hatchback like and that's what's always been hard for people like you and i is you can get a fiesta st you know fiesta st for 22 you can get a focus RS. I mean, it, that's what we're talking about. It's Focus RS money, but it, but nowhere near. As it's capable. better looking. I think it's a cool, and it's. I think it has more curb that's, appeal. That's highly to, subjective. To a lot. That's yeah. true. It's just my opinion. Um, but I think the thing about Mini Cooper is it's an icon because of the movies it's been in and because of what they are. And they well, kind and it of was kept quintessentially British for so long. Right. It true. was something that we just didn't have. We didn't have it, and they, and they did, and they were. One of the original hot hatches way back in the day. Yeah. You know, I mean, they were pretty amazing. They kind of hold four people, hold some stuff, and right. be fun to drive. Well, and we don't even get some of the best ones here. I mean, like, obviously, the Volkswagen stuff is really good. The Ford stuff is really good. Even the Chevy um, Sonic is pretty good. 
I mean, it's yeah, not it at the same yeah, level, yeah. but no, it's pretty. It's pretty good. It's not. It is not the same category at all. But we don't get the Renaults and the Citrons, which are amazing cars. Well, we from what we read, that's true. Yeah, like they're well. They, I mean, they, they play in the hot hatch arena. Yeah, I guess. that's true. Uh, and they're you know, and like Renault is pretty much known as the king of it because they do it over and over. Yeah, to the point where you can get that car as a spec race car with a dual clutch in that's it. That's right, you can. That see something like that would probably feel like a JCW and the and the J like with the steering getting number in this one and the whole experience getting number. I think. Now it's it's very it's a close comparison to a GTI, and a GTI costs yeah you know fifteen twelve and then three grand less to ten grand less yeah and then you're talking like if, if you're talking about a new mini or a Golf R it's Golf R all day long. Uh, I totally agree because it's all wheel drive and I or I an like S three either way. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's very true. Because those because that's when yeah I mean and if you're getting you're getting a JCW with that with like. To get up to that price, you need all of the bells and Union Jack whistles, and yeah. that's just not necessary. And the, and the other cars are, you know, as much as I whine about, like, cars getting too big, like, there's a point when a hatchback, like, the, my Fiesta is very borderline, like, practical. Like, it's practical to a point, like, the back seats don't load flat because it's so small, mm-hmm. and just stuff like that. But, like, you get into a Focus or you get into a Golf R, and they're much, they're as good as they are at the heart hat blah, at the hot hatch game, like they're more practical cars than the mini. If you want to use it to actually do your daily life stuff. Well, that's true. Cause they're four like doors making the trip, you know, making the trip to home Depot and shit like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, you know, Thaddeus, our uh, former cameraman, he had a Oh six mini Cooper S that we used to go up to big muscle shoots all the time. Yep. Like with the back seats down, it could hold all the camera gear we needed. You know, it they held yeah. it, and he's six five. Like we were comfortable, and it held all the stuff. Yeah. But I agree, like a, a GTI or a Golf, just having four doors. Well, that's that's we always waffle, right? Like we didn't get the two door Fiesta ST, and, and we complain. Yeah. But we do also recognize that the four door is the better car for real use. Yeah, imagine how few they would have sold if they brought the two door here. That's why they didn't. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I agree. Totally agree. I, I think the two door is a better looking car, and I, yeah. you know I own the four door. But you know what? I have a two door car that I can drive fast in, and I have to recognize that that like I have the Corvette. I need something quasi practical as the other, and the Fiesta. That's it. That's a compromise car where you're like, I need something relatively inexpensive, something practical, but it's also fun. Mm-hmm. You know. You know what I took to Home Depot the other day, and I put a six foot, four inch diameter pipe in it. M three. Yeah. <laughs> done stuff like that i took the uh one day i took the corvette to home depot to go buy two by fours and uh all you do in that car is you take the top off and then you put the bottom of the two by four in the footwell on the driver's side and then you hang the two by fours out the roof oh my god you did that you were that dude i've seen that people people do it with like surfboards and it just it's almost vertical like the angle is amazing actually it wasn't that bad because the the two by fours you can get them the way you can wedge them so far into the footwell that, like, they come out of the roof, I'd say it probably, like, uh, I don't know, maybe, like, a 60-degree angle. It's pretty steep. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Pro- I mean, props to you. That's commitment. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. I it It's just a funny thing when you're next to, like, contractor truck, Tacoma, whatever. Or, wait, no, I'm going the wrong way. Probably closer to, like, a 40-degree angle, but still. It's, Yeah. It's amusing, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people look at you like, "Look at that asshole!" Right? It's like, like you're like, "Oh, you're new." You know, you don't. I think it's like a you don't come here very much, do you? 
<laughs> uh, yeah, you know what though is I I think I give people the credit like if you that committed to like I'm gonna buy the impractical car, but I still need to get shit done. Mm-hmm. Like I can be down with that. You know. Yeah. I was that guy. Yeah, totally, man. I you know I'm happy to put the seats down and uh, I don't know if, if if you just thread the needle, it holds it holds a ton of stuff. It's I love funny. taking like I'll borrow my dad's Matrix on a semi regular basis to go and pick stuff up because everything loads flat. Like you can go a flat floor all the way from the back of the hatch to the rear seats fold completely flat and then the front seats fold completely flat too whoa and obviously you need one of them up so you can drive maybe but the maybe it's a challenge and you know what that's a challenge that we can try in that car because it's worth a thousand dollars those are cool cars i mean they're not cool they're just good uh they are the most practical car um but uh, I can lo- I've loaded so much shit from Home Depot into those. I can load eight foot two by fours into that car, no problem. It's good to do that. Question a of how safe it is, but you can do it. Well, then you need you know ratchet straps and a red flag on the back and like I don't know. Oh, I didn't even I have think... to, have, dude. I didn't even have to have the gate open. Oh, yeah, that seems safe. I don't know what the deal is. Well, the, it's just that you're now basically in a vehicle with a jousting match by yourself if you get into an accident. Yeah, but if the if the boards are running next to you, then they'll just go into your dashboard. Uh, yes, or they splinter and break and then impale you. Didn't think about that. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, does wood break? I didn't think about that at all. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the force would go. Yeah, that could be really bad. Yeah, it okay, could be. I'll think of that. It's a calculated risk. Hmm. You, know, you, you don't make the long distance run that way. You make sure Home Depot is within a few miles. So you, you told me recently uh, you're maybe over your Fiesta. Yeah, and I was thinking about that on the way over. I love the way it drives. I love how much, like, all the mountain stuff and the coilovers. And, like, you were there when I was building the suspension on that car. I did everything you can do on a Fiesta short of making it a race car. Mm-hmm. And it has so much lateral grip. I love that because you can just rock it around corners. You carry so much momentum in that car, and I love that. But I also hate the fact that inherently the Fiesta runs low profile tires and doesn't have that much suspension travel and mind you i've got those you know those coilovers on it the sts which are just kws that are slightly less adjustable and um and it rides a lot better than a stock fiesta but that's not saying a lot yeah um our our streets are really bad here like they're really bad yeah it's um you know it's not quite like michigan or new england bad but they're not good um you know, I've, I've I've had friends out from Detroit. You know, shout out to my buddy Joe Cariotti. Half the people know that name on this show at this point. I uh, like that dude. We did a yeah, good show. Joe, and they just had a little baby girl just a couple weeks ago. Uh, so, uh, hello, Lily Cariotti, apparently. Oh, very okay. Is she um, listening? Hello, Lily. Yes. Uh, actually, there's a very good likelihood that she is listening to this tomorrow. Because <laughs> I know, knowing Joe, he'll have this on. Um, but uh, if a guy in high school has a Camaro, don't get in it. Yeah, <laughs> if they exist at that point. Very good point. Yeah. Um, but uh, Joe comes out from Michigan. He's like, Jesus Christ, your roads are bad. You know, that's a guy from Michigan. Yeah. No, there you are. So like, it's it's real crashy, and uh, and if you just sit in traffic, like having an automatic transmission would be nice. Uh, yeah, that's not even the big requirement for me. I don't mind driving manual, but I have to keep in mind too that. Um, I am trying to rehab my knees from cycling injuries and I may get to a point where I need surgery. I'm trying to avoid that, 
but obviously I can't drive a manual transmission if my knees or if I just went through surgery. Very so, true. So, you know, there's a few options out there. There's stuff on the on the cheaper side, like a CTS V Sport used is a screaming deal at like 25k because that's a tune away. That's a tune in down point pipes away from 600 horsepower. That could be very fun. We, I remember that car. That was a pretty fun car. The power band was a little weird. But with a tune and downpipe, they could fix that. It's it's a tune and a downpipe away from being basically a hair off of a CTSV. Yeah, as far as power goes, not as far as everything. Yeah, but even that, the other stuff, like you can get takeoff CTSV suspension bits for pennies on eBay. Oh, I just meant it wouldn't have like you know the provenance, the sound. All, no, it know, doesn't. But I kind of like the sleeper factor of it. Totally. I don't get me wrong. I love the CTSV. I love that car as it is right now. But um, the V Sport, like you're totally under the radar with yeah. that. People I think do- that's a good idea. Like that. Like uh, who was it that just wrote? I think Andrew Collins wrote a really short blurb on July. No, it was one of the. It was one of the. Um, or he was writing about the ATSV. Right. I was, that's what I say. He was like, I still miss that car. I think there's everyone goes CTSV or nothing, and it's like they have other cars that are also. I kind of like the ATSV more. The only thing I don't like about the ATSV more is that the interior is not what I would want it to be in that category. But that's the story of Cadillac. Mm-hmm. It's, it takes them three generations to get everything. Like I have no real complaints about the current CTS interior, the premium models. There's nothing wrong with them as far as I'm concerned. I haven't driven I can't remember I think the last one I was in was like two years ago and I, I it was it was a lot better. The Q system's still terrible. Um yeah. but they still had like a lot of different layers of leather and it seemed like a very busy interior. It's busy but it's not cheap feeling i would it's not say. no they use expensive materials it's just like it's a little too busy. I, I agree with you on that i don't i'm not in love with the design like as far as i'm concerned like i think audi audi interiors and lexus interiors as far as like the seats and everything go are probably amongst my favorites and porsche is pretty good too because porsche is just plain but high quality yeah um but the you know the ATSV is a hell of a car, but they're not cheap in the used market. They're holding their value very well. Good Alpha chassis is so good. Uh, I mean, a used ATSV is still going to run you forty five or fifty grand. I think I think a CTSV Sport suits you very well. Uh, it it's does. a GM Turbo, which you love. That's a soft spot for you. Uh, I like turbo motors in general, and you I know, know I like the CTS car platform. Yeah, it's, it's good looking car again. It's comfortable. Um, However, there is a new wrinkle that I've kind of been considering because I like having a hatch as it is right now. Mm-hmm. And this wrinkle is made by Porsche. Macan. Oh, that's right. Yeah. My brain went to, because uh, Lieberman today was testing the, um, what are the Porsche Sport Turismo, the wagon. Oh, oh uh, yeah, that thing's dope, but I don't have $170,000 to spend on a car. Right. Macan, excellent vehicle. Yes. Excellent vehicle. Full stop. I have... So, here's the thing. There, There is the practical Macan to buy, which is the used Macan S, mm-hmm. which, by the way, are high 30s, low 40s all day long. Which Two years crazy. old. 20,000, 30,000 miles. That's, that depreciation is terrifying. Porsche pr- certified pre-owned on those gets you another four years on the warranty. It's, it's a really screaming deal for the S. However... I like the idea of the of the top end turbo with the three point six instead of the three liter. It's so stupid, and it's another like fifteen to eighteen thousand dollars. Whoa, yeah, that's significant because it um, is. Matt's buddy Nick 
has a Macan S, and then he got a Cobb tune on it, and he gained a hundred foot pounds of torque. Oh yeah, yeah, I like, yeah, I know. I mean, it, right? You know, Nick. I'm, yeah, yeah. The audience doesn't know Nick. No, no, no. But I'm just um, saying, I, I'm aware that that's going on. But at the same time, if you do the same Cobb tune on the three point six, it's way more power. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, you're, it's, you're just jumping off a higher diving board. I was, I was very tempted to make a stupid decision all week long of just like I was pissed at the Fiesta after having to run errands with it last week and it just crashing over everything and like my phone traveled from my front passenger seat to the hatch at one point and I'm like I fucking hate this car <laughs> and it, you know, the Fiesta there's nothing wrong with it like the electrical gremlins were worked out you know no problems with that no problems with the drivetrain everything else it's all mount tuned everything it's an objectively pretty much perfect street fiesta. Right, but you've, one, you've been in this relationship for a couple of years. It did have electrical problems, which were huge problems. Oh, they were big problems. Like, those are big problems. You've, you've done everything with the car you'd probably want to do, and now it's at the point where if you just focus on the discomfort, like, if that's where your brain goes, it's time to get a different car. And then I get in the car sometimes, like, when, coming over here. And I'm just ripping around L.A. and, like, just darting in and out of every little every little spot on the highway and grabbing every foot I can because it's just so capable. True. It's very capable and it's very small. I think that's, you know, Matt, what did he just drive recently? He was like, that car makes me drive like an asshole. I think I realized small cars, in my opinion, make us drive like assholes because you just you immediately know where the front and the back are you know where you can fit and you just feel extra nimble well you know? it's like when we did the big drive shoot where i went and helped you guys uh that weekend when when chris broke the corvette and mm-hmm. uh, out in chuckwalla valley raceway i was in by far the slowest car there but because of the way that you can dart in and out of traffic and that and it makes and it's like please drive me like a dick um i beat everybody there by like 25 minutes mm-hmm and not because I'm some amazing driver, because Harris and Matt were there, and they're both much better drivers than I am. But that car just begs to be just whipped hard. It's just, it's just easy to move through traffic in something small. Yeah. It's, just, it's much easier. with And the front visibility on the Fiesta is really good as well. Yeah. It's very – and in some regards, it's like if – I, I kind of like in the way the chassis feels on that, and as tight as everything is on the Fiesta, it's like if – Porsche made a cheap little front wheel drive hatch and the visibility and everything of it. It's very Porsche in some regards like that. Hmm. Um, and I've said that for a while, but you know, the more I reflect on it, the more I'm like, yeah, that's kind of how they would do it. But it makes sense because it's made by a bunch of German engineers. True. You know, but Macan, my, my two experiences with Macan is I shot B roll when it launched back, you know, years ago with uh, tangent vector. And I remember driving in the canyons and starting to like push it. And I was like, this just feels like a Mini Cooper, but taller. Like, it, it cornered really flat. The yeah. steering feel was good. It just it, it didn't feel like a Clubman or a Countryman, which doesn't really feel like a Mini. It felt like you take that, um, you know, very very small amount of lean-in corners and really um, eager steering and turn-in and mm-hmm. just raised it a foot because you just had good visibility. Yeah. And it was, it's just a really fun car to drive. And, and, and here's the thing is I much prefer how the handling on, like, an alpha platform or something like that something because it's just like the alpha platform like i remember when when like lieberman was testing it it put down skid pad numbers that were like within less than one percent of a four five eight italia at the time it's stupid capable mm-hmm. and i like that idea but at the same time i'm like 
there's a lot of practicality in the Macan in terms of the hatchback. It's like yeah. a big hatchback. I mean, I mean and like you don't you don't need skid pad numbers because you have a Corvette, dude. Like you don't need. I know. A, you don't I'm need just trying to head. remind myself yeah. of that. I'm like, I, th- I have I think, the very capable car. I think you'd love a Macan. It, yeah. it fits all the things that you were looking for. And it's I once again I come back to the age factor. I'm like, I am a 35 year old bouncing around in a, in a Fiesta now, and given that I'm you know. It's. I hate making these considerations that, like, I'm the executive of a company that's got serious investment in it, and like, you know, it's like totally there's true. an image thing that I, it's. I'm. It's so antithetical to every aspect of how I try to live my life, but there is an air of importance to it because people do judge you on that shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand it completely. Yeah. Well, you you bought the M3. I mean. Oh, I mean, I don't. You love me. the M3, but I mean, it's it's it. It presents differently when you arrive somewhere. You're like, oh, clearly you've got your shit together. Oh uh, yeah, I, I, and I meant more for you because I am, you know, a pretty unprofessional person. The only re- the only time it benefited is two weeks ago when I was working on a as a locations manager for a BMW thing, and uh, there were BMW execs there, and I pulled up in my car, and they're like, oh, nice, <laughs> <laughs> one of us. But I joked, I was like, oh, I rented it. I'm gonna rent an Audi for next week when I work for them. Um, I'm not working for them, people, and I don't like the M4. In case you worry that my ethics have been breached, uh, yeah, you know, for for your position, because obviously, I, you know, I know your job and everything. It it makes a lot more sense for you to pull up in a car where people go, "This person has their shit together." The, you know, you have your shit together, but a Fiesta looks like, "Oh, is this company not doing as well as we thought? Is this person not doing as well as we thought?" Like, yeah, very cheap. I, and small I hate vehicle. that that's a consideration I have to make, but it's like it's a reality, mm-hmm. and like. I have to occasionally go, you know, to meetings and stuff like that and take people with me. And it looks like, you know, when you get three grown men hopping out of a Fiesta to a meeting where, like, to a meeting in an expensive restaurant or something like that, it looks like three idiots coming out of a clown car. It just looks like you're, but you're reaching. You know, you look, makes you look like the reacher. Like, we are trying to climb out of this, well, figurative hole or, you Good know, point. We, I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah. You know. It's, it's a weird situation and I, I hate it because I don't like playing that game. Yeah, I know. Um, but but I think what's good is that there are cars nowadays and kind of tie it up. Um, there are cars nowadays where you don't have to make considerations in what your driving enjoyment is just because you do have to think about that shit. Like yeah. you can have a Macan that looks presentable. Or but a Polestar. You, or, or a Polestar, but you know yeah. that the thing hustles, you can canyon it. It's and you get the nod anyway. from the people that do know. They're like, ah. Yeah, like, well ah, done. You, know, you got it. Sweet lifted Porsche wagon. Or like anytime I see anybody in a CTSV wagon, I'm like, you could be a friend. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Very true. Because it takes a very specific person or an E63 wagon. Great looking car. Yeah. Really it takes a very specific car. person to order those cars. Where was I? I was in Santa Cruz of all places at Whole Foods and a guy, old guy in a CTSV went by and then someone parked in a Jeep uh, Trackhawk. I was like, where am I? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's in Santa Cruz. How, how are they not being burned at the stake? For, very, very for strange. The, the Trackhawk parked, parked two spots over from the uh, electric charging station we were filming. I was like, very funny. Then again, your dad has the Cobra. Very true. It bounces out the Prius. Yeah. As I've always said. Uh, although the Cobra doesn't really get used too much. No, it doesn't. Which is like the, and these new tires, they're very, very you old. You should just see if you can get it down here for a while. So everybody says, oh, I can now. I have a garage. you got space. Holy crap. Yeah. People can't see how big my eyes are right now. Yeah. I've been saying, like, yeah, I don't have a place to put it. Now I have a place to put you it. You do have a place to put it. 
and you've got a place to do the necessary maintenance that needs it, at this it point. I'm sure maintenance. it needs new tires before I drive it down. It, it needs to do an. I need to do a nut and bolt on it and like fluid change stuff. Mm-hmm. That's what it needs. To tighten Good all the news is up. that's like a thirty minute operation on that car. Yeah, it's pretty accessible. Most of the parts are pretty accessible. Yeah. Um, and then some of the, like getting the battery out is like a three hour operation. So it just depends on what you're doing. I have no idea what that looks like on that car. The battery is basically inside one of the front fenders. Oh, that sounds awful. And there's an engine in it that's large and in the way. Is so, that a 351 in that car? 428. 420. Oh, Jesus. I think getting the battery in required removing at least a valve cover. And I think some more stuff. Does it's it not need, quick. Does it need a battery? Nope. Thank God. Okay, good. Battery's fine. <laughs> that's when you bring it back. Hey, Dad, I'm done with the car. I, I cut this fender off. I made it. Oh, it needs the ACR holes. It's just in different places so you can get to the battery. Speed holes. Speed holes. Yes. Exactly. Uh, so on speed holes, I think we probably wrap it up. Speed holes. Uh, do you want to promote any of your stuff? Yeah. Um, watch the one takes. Look look out for those. Yeah. Got like three in the can. No, seven now shot. And I think we're going to be rolling out like one a week just because I can't film the volume that Matt could. And we're just going to try and make it consistent. And yeah. if it ramps up, we'll, we'll put out more of them. So do that. And um, listen to the Smoke Tire podcast uh, on yeah. Shout engine. Yep. Uh, as usual, if you want to do a podcast, go over there and we'll set you up. Uh, the actual, the rebuild is actually piece by piece coming together. Sweet. It, the, the appearance on the front has not changed, but like major infrastructure changes on the back. Cool. I have, between running all the cryptocurrency operations and that, I am a very tired man right now. <laughs> uh, but we are making progress. So um, also on the cryptocurrency front, like Guardian Circle, it's going very well. Um, we did part of our raise. Zach actually helped out with with that stuff while he was on downtime with uh, Tangent. I was on tech support. Yeah, well, no, sales support. Sales support. Let's not say tech support. But you did a lot more like analysis type stuff too, which was super helpful. Um, so uh, yeah, and and our token sale is actually going live on May first now. So, but uh, not for anyone it, in America. So yeah, um, unfortunately, Americans can't participate. But if for some reason you participate in that stuff, and I'm imagining there's a very small segment of this audience that does, check us out. It's at guardium.co. So um, otherwise, that's Hooniverse for this week. This has been a long time since we've done on uh, you know done one of these. Yeah, I haven't been so, on here in a while. Yeah, uh, we've all we've all been a little busy. Mm-hmm. So it's good to catch right. up. Let's call the game. <laughs> We'll be right back.